You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for him. We pray this episode blesses you, impacts you, and fills you with kingdom purpose. Good morning, church family, joining us in person and joining us online. Uh, My name is Pastor Kai, just to introduce myself to you, Uh, but we just want to welcome you uh, to our church family for joining us for worship, and and we're excited to uh, continue our walk through the book of James. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about your favorite hike, all right? Think about your favorite hike, or maybe you don't actually like hiking. You're like, nope, that's not my thing. But you at least remember the first or second hike you went on that made you realize, I don't like hiking, okay? So whatever it is, go ahead and think about your your favorite hike. As Tucsonans, we're pretty blessed. Hold off on that video for a second. Um, As Tucsonans, we're we're pretty blessed to have as many hiking trails as we do. Um, I mean, you can drive pretty much a short distance in any direction, and you'll find an amazing trail to hike on. Um, and with nearby Mount Lemon, the hiking possibilities are endless, right? Um, so think of a hike. All right, maybe close your eyes if you want to. Um, this is a safe place. Nobody's going to steal your phone or purse or anything. So you can close your eyes and try and recapture some of those memories of your hike. Maybe uh, take in the memory of the, the towering trees and boulders or the creek or river running along the path with you, the birds chirping, the the squirrels scurrying in the trees. Remember the calm, cool air, the soothing noise of nature absent of your neighborhood noise or city noise. Maybe maybe you're struggling to picture what that hike looks like, so I'm going to help you out. Now you can go ahead and play that video. All right, just just take it in. Take a moment, and you can turn up the volume too, just so we hear the nature sounds in the background. All right, but just take a moment. Take in everything that you see. Get familiar with the trail again, if it's been a while. Imagine what you would smell or, or taste even. It's like at Disney, that ride where they throw scents at your face and things like, we're just missing that part, right? And we'll just keep this video playing. Um, but even if you don't like hiking or being in nature, it's kind of hard not to admire uh, just the creativity of God and the, the grandeur of God's creation, the beauty of it all. Uh, and oftentimes, hikes like these or the ones that you've been on, um, they have a, a stopping point. Or in Arizona, we call them vistas, a point in the trail that highlights an exceptionally captivating piece of scenery. Uh, One of the trails here in Tucson leads to a small pool with uh, some waterfalls. Now, it's not Niagara Falls by any stretch of the imagination, but when you've walked through the desert in dry ground and heat for an hour, it's a pretty amazing sight to see. Uh, In California, there's a hike that leads to um, some hot springs that I hope I get to go on one day um, in, in Big Sur. Or hiking up any mountain or even a hill will lead you to to view your surroundings and a view of your surroundings that's better than anything down at the bottom. 
And like we started talking about last week, when we jumped into the book of James, uh, our relationship with Jesus is like a, a walk with him. Right? It's a walk with a destination, just like we do when we hike or go for a walk. And we came to the conclusion based on James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, that our relationship with Jesus is a patient walk of tested faith towards perfection. We all have a destination in our walk. Right? We walk with Jesus because we want to be more like him. We want to be whole and complete children of God. Right, lacking in nothing. We have a goal or a destination in mind, just like we do when we go for a hike. Uh, but just like in hiking also, in our patient walk of tested faith towards perfection, um, we're going to encounter obstacles. Everybody say obstacles. Right, just like when you go for a walk or a hike in nature, you might encounter things that get in the way, uh, that might keep you from reaching your destination. Things that will entice you to, to stop moving forward towards your goal, uh, to maybe take a different path or even turn around or just stop walking altogether. Sometimes those enticements, they come from outside of us, right? Uh, a fallen tree that's, that's fallen over the path. Uh, a bit of terrain that seems too difficult to cross. Or even a gate or a sign that says you can't go any further. Right, things that you have no control over. They're just there. Uh, and then sometimes those enticements come from within, from inside ourselves. Uh, you just not being prepared for the hike or your body not being in the shape it needs to be in order to keep going um, or your mind telling you this is too much. I can't go any further. I need to stop. I need, I need to turn around or it's not worth moving forward anymore. And James's goal in his writing uh, to the church is to give us wisdom for our walk, right? Guideposts along the trail to help us reach our destinations, signs that tell you which way to go, how far you've gone and, and how much further you have to go, signs that tell you what lie ahead in the trail, things you need to be cautious of, that's right. And, and if we can remember the hikes that we've been on, uh, we've seen these, these signs, these guideposts along the way, right? Uh, they're helpful. They're, they're informative. They're things we see while we are on the trail, right, in the midst of it. But usually at the very beginning of the trail, at the, the trailhead, you'll find other signs. Uh, usually signs showing you what kind of birds or, you know, right, that are in, that you're going to see. Um, but a lot of them are also warning and caution signs, Make sure you carry plenty of water with you. Uh, the rocks on this trail are loose and slippery. Bears, mountain lions, rattlesnakes have been spotted on this trail. And that's what James is doing in these first several verses of chapter 1. He's showing us, yes, that we're on a walk with Jesus, but he's also showing us the warning signs and the cautions at the start of the trailhead. And so in verses 1 through 8 that we looked at last week, James wrote about trials and tribulations. Remember that? Right? The, the various trials that we will face in our walk with Jesus. And you know what? They just happen to us. These are those outside things that we have no control over. Like a lost job, uh, a health crisis, uh, maybe the death of a loved one. 
And James, he, the, the, he, he posts the signs at the trailhead saying that these things are going to happen in your life. There's no avoiding them. Um, but they have a purpose, right? They, aren't, or they are meant to test the, the grit and the genuineness of our faith. Will we stay faithful? Will we stay on the trail? Will we continue to have faith and trust God's quality and character? So that was last week, but this week in verses 9 through 18 that we're going to be focusing on today, uh, the trials James writes about are the ones that come from within. Trials that are birthed from our own desires that attempt to distract us and cause us to wander off our path to perfection and wholeness or to even just end our walk with Jesus altogether. Right, these are the, the lions that are prowling just out of sight or the, the rattlesnakes that you can hear rattling in the distance. Right, and that maybe sounds intimidating to you, right? Like, why are we hiking on this trail? Right? Shouldn't we pick an easier one? Um, but the truly terrible thing would be if we were not giving these warnings and we started on this trail. The truly terrible thing would be if we started walking not knowing what was out there, not knowing how to prepare ourselves or what to look out for. And so what we're going to read in verses 9 through 18 today are actually an incredible gift to us, right? From James, from someone who's walked the trail with Jesus before, and he's made it to the end, and he's seen the beautiful destination that it leads to. All right, so what we'll be talking about today, and the title of today's message is The Warning Signs, The Warning Signs. Uh, but let's just ask God to be with us one more time before we uh, jump, continue going through James, all right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wisdom that you desire to give to us in abundance. And God, we pray that you would open our minds right now. God, even though we, we hear our lovely children and our, our, our family, um, God, we pray that you help us to silence distraction, help us to focus on what it is that you want to teach us this morning. God, lead us into the good things that you have for us. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you want to do in us through the book of James. We want to receive it all. So we say thank you, God. Lead us, God. We say all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. So let's open our Bibles. Um, open them, your digital Bible, uh, on your phone, on your tablet. It's okay to have your phone out while the pastor's talking here at CCA. Uh, or you can open up your physical Bible to the book of James if you haven't already. Um, turn to somebody sitting next to you and, sit, and let them know uh, what translation you like to read from. Yeah, and throughout this series, um, the, the translation that I will primarily read out of is the English Standard Version. Um, translations are awesome. I encourage you to read many different translations. They open your mind to different uh, ways of saying things and different ways of understanding things. Um, and so I'll be reading from the ESV, though. Here's verse 9. We'll throw it up on the screen for you as well. Right, verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. 
so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my brothers, my beloved brothers or sisters in Christ. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. All right. So we're walking through James. Only 18 verses in, but that's what a walk is, right? Patiently going through it. Um, So in verses 9 through 11, uh, James presents a theme that will come up again in his writing. It's the theme of poverty and wealth, those who are rich and those who are poor. And what we know from Jesus's teaching is that the true family of God is diverse, right? Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, anyone can be a part of the family of God. It doesn't matter what your race, your gender, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic standing. If you follow Jesus, you are a member of the family of God. Right? Not only are you a member of the family of God, but you are to be treated equally among your brothers and sisters in Christ. Even more so... The Bible authors say that you are to be treated as a co-heir with Christ, entitled, in a sense, to the same things that Jesus is entitled to when we get to heaven, right? And this idea rattled the foundations of the culture of Jesus's and James's day because there were clear divisions of rules about class and socioeconomic standing that you had to follow. And though it was a shock... Right? People were somewhat okay that anybody could be a member of the family of God. But it was more of a shocker to then have to treat the poor beggar on the street as equal to the rich person in their fine clothes and decked out chariot. Right? And we'll read later more about the impartiality of God's kingdom. But in verses 9 through 11, James is trying to help us shift our perspective about what it means to be poor and rich. Why are the poor and the rich equal or treated equally? And to sum up, James is saying, you know, it's better to be physically poor and spiritually rich than it is to be physically rich and spiritually poor, right? James is saying that the pursuit of wealth as your entire goal and prize of of your walk through this life is meaningless. It's meaningless, Because not only will those riches fade away, but you, your body, your soul will fade away as well in the pursuit of these riches. And so James is echoing his big half-brother Jesus and the parable he told about the sower and the seeds in Matthew 13. Right? The rich are the seeds uh, or like the seeds that fall on the rocky ground. Right? They, they put their hope and faith and security in these hard, physical, tangible things. And they look pretty. 
right? They look secure. They look like they have everything put together. But their roots can't grow deep in the rocks. I think the only place that can happen is here in Arizona where cactus can sprout from anywhere. But he's talking about in Palestine here, right? And so, so he says that when the sun and, and the hot winds begin to blow, that those plants, those flowers, they, they can't stand it because their roots are not deep. And so James is showing that because of Jesus, right, the playing field has been leveled. The poor and the rich are equal. They cannot boast in themselves or in their stuff because God has freely given both something that they cannot earn on their own. They can't even purchase it on their own. They can only boast in God because of the riches of heaven, the crown of everlasting life that he's freely bestowed upon him. And, and this explanation of the poor and the rich, it's actually a setup for James's main theme in this passage. Right? It's a setup for the warning sign he wants to show us. And, and it's the warning sign of knowing the difference between a trial and a temptation. It's knowing the difference between a trial and a temptation. Kind of like when you're on the trail and you need to know the difference between poison ivy and some other harmless plant, right? Or a rattlesnake or some kind of harmless uh, corn snake, right? So verse 12, it sounds very similar to verse 2. Uh, I'll remind you, James verse one, or chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And then verse 12 sounds similar, saying, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Right, so we have counted all joy and blessed. And both refer to being in a state of just supreme happiness. Uh, different words, but similar meanings. And then the word trials that we read in verse 2 and 12, however, they sound the same, but they have different meanings. Um, in fact, in the original Greek, to make this even more confusing, um, the word used for trials in verses 2 and 12 are the same. It's uh, purasmos. That's the word in Greek. Um, but depending on context, it can mean two different things. Right? So in verse 2, trials means to be put to the test, to learn the nature or character of something like one's faith through testing. Right? And then there are those trials of faith, or these are those trials of faith that we have no control over. The lost job, your, your, your health crisis, the death of a loved one. Um, these trials are meant to refine us, to make us whole, to make us complete. Right? On the walk or the hike, this is the tree that's fallen over the path or the storm that suddenly rolls in that you have no control over. All right, but shifting to verse 12, trials, purasmos here means Temptation, temptation, right? Enticement to sin, an attempt to make one do something wrong. And so this kind of trial or temptation, it comes from within, from inside our own selves. This kind of trial or temptation um, is thinking while we're on the trail, like it's too hard, even though it's not. Or I can't go any further, I need to stop, or, or I just need to turn around and go the other way. Right? And when you put it in the context of verses 9 through 11, James is saying, resist the temptation to pursue wealth and riches as your source of hope and security. Right? Resist the temptation to believe that riches and material things will make you perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Right? It might seem easier, 
but it's not. You'll fade away in the process of pursuing those things. And so when we compare verse 2 and verse 12, we see that the formula we talked about last week is actually the same, right? Tested faith leads to patience, which leads to perfection. And I think we have a slide of that from last week, right? Tested faith leads to patience, which leads to perfection. And when we stand firm and patient during trials, like we read about in verse 2, it will lead to perfection, which is wholeness or, or um, wholeness of character or person on this side of eternity. And then when we stand firm and patient during the trials or temptations in verse 12, it will lead to perfection of everlasting life, that, that crown of life that he's talking about that we receive from God. All right, so that, that's kind of a big explanation. But are you tracking so far? I'm going to make it a little more clear here, right here. All right, why is this distinction between the two meanings of trials here important? Right? Well, the hard truth is that we will all face both in life. Every single one of us will face trials and temptation in our walk with Jesus. Right? And it's important to know the difference between the two, right? to know the purpose of and how to handle each. And from what we read last week in verse 2, trials are something we endure. Trials are something we endure. Verse 12, temptation is something we're meant to resist, all right? Trials are meant to shape and refine us in the people, into the people God wants us to be. Temptation, on the other hand, is meant to destroy us. Trials can lead to perfection and holiness. Temptation leads to sin and death. All right, here's the crux of it all, right? Sometimes, oftentimes, we get the two mixed up. Right? We often want to resist trial, don't we? God, I, I don't want that trial. Don't give it to me. No trials, God. I don't want to have to walk through something difficult. I want to resist that as much as possible. Right? But if we resist the trials that are meant to shape and perfect us, then we resist the perfection and the wholeness and the holiness. Do you see what I'm saying? And then on the flip side of this, sometimes we feel like we have to endure temptation. You know, I'll just close my eyes during that racy scene of Game of Thrones. It'll be all right. I'll just endure it, right? You know, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm drinking too much um, throughout the week. And instead of just getting rid of all of my alcohol that I paid a, a lot for, I'm just going to limit my drinking to just once a week. I'm, I'm just going to endure the temptation rather than resist it. You see what I'm saying? Right? And if you endure something that you should be resisting, the more likely you are to fall into its snares. Right? And are you enduring the things that you should be resisting? And vice versa, are you resisting the things that you should be enduring? A tree on a path can be climbed over. That's not a reason to stop walking down the trail. Right? Tested faith leads to patience, which leads to perfection. But you know what? You don't just knowingly step over a rattlesnake that's stretched across the trail, right? You take care of that thing. You wait till it leaves or you kill it, and then you keep going. Right? James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're going to read that later in James 4 verse 7. We endure trials. We resist temptations. And when we do so, enduring and resisting both lead to great rewards here on this side of eternity and on the other side.
I hope that's helpful for you. Um, But is that the end of our conversation about temptation? Well, James doesn't seem to think so. He keeps going. Uh, Because not only should we know the difference between a trial and a temptation, James says we need to know the origin of temptation to properly understand it. Right? Where does temptation come from, he's asking. And he first wants to make things really clear in verse 14, saying that temptation does not and cannot come from God. He's very clear. He doesn't use any analogies to describe this. He just says, it's not possible. It doesn't come from God. God is a creator. God builds up. God provides. God gives life. And as we read earlier, trials, though they are difficult, lead to good things for us. We endure trials. Temptation, on the other hand, is meant to destroy. It leads to evil. It leads to death. And God is not evil. God cannot do or be tempted to do evil, so neither can God tempt others to do evil. Very clear explanation of that, right? That goes against God's character. And James makes it very clear in verse 14, temptation does not come from God, period, period. All right, so then where does temptation come from? Well, since we're on the topic of nature and hiking, um, it's very fitting for us that James would use fishing um, language here. He uses fishing language to describe the origin and nature of temptation. Again, knowing this helps us properly prepare and deal with temptation when it comes. All right? Um, So he talks about fishing in verse 14. And he equates temptation uh, to the bait at the end of a fishing line that is meant to lure the fish to grab the hook. All right? The bait is something for us that we might like or desire. It's masked as something good and natural, but it has a hidden agenda. It's as if we as children of God, um, it's like we're swimming in a pond with Jesus, okay? We're little fish in Jesus' little pond of, of righteousness, of, of love, of holiness, of becoming perfect, whole, more like Jesus. Um, even our understanding, our desires are becoming more like God's desires, Our understanding of love, acceptance, contentment, pleasure, satisfaction, they're all being refined and made holy as we walk with Jesus. But the enemy, also known as the tempter, right? He likes to drop his fishing line and bait into our pond. And the bait is something that looks like would satisfy one of our desires, Right? The bait is something that looks like uh, something that will satisfy our desire for love or acceptance, contentment, pleasure, satisfaction. But hear me, it's fake. It's perverted. It's a decoy. Right? Like that fake worm or lure or stink bait at the end of your line. It's disguised to look like something good, but it's not. Right? That's temptation. And temptation originates, James says, not from God, not from Satan, but from within our own selves, from our own desires. And this is why temptation is so tricky. This is why it's so difficult to navigate sometimes. Because it starts with things that are naturally good. It starts with things that are are given to us by God, God God-given desires. It's okay to want to be loved and to love other people. 
It's okay to want to express that love physically and intimately with another person when it is done in the design that God meant for it, right? Satisfaction, pleasure, security, comfort, and so on. These are all good things, God-given things. And so the problem isn't with our desires. The problem is when our desires are used against us to do evil, right? Like Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings telling Frodo, I can't take the ring because I know the ring will use my good intentions against me, right? Same thing. There you go. Cultural connection. And so to, to drive this home even more and to help us understand on like a visceral level, if fishing isn't good enough, James switches from talking about fishing to making babies, okay? I know, sudden shift. I didn't make the shift. I'm just going with the flow for what James is saying here, okay? Uh, and so James, he starts talking about this uh, adulterous love affair that leads to becoming pregnant and having unwanted children, and it's no good. It's not a good picture. So he says in verse 14 that our desires are lured in by temptation. And the imagery of this is of a woman being seduced by a man. And I, and I understand, right, men can be seduced by women too. I'm just following what James is saying here. Right? But a woman is seduced by a man. And this is like our desire being seduced by temptation. Right, which that is going to happen in each one of our lives until we're face to face with Jesus, right? But our job and the power we are given by the Holy Spirit is to resist that temptation. Okay, but we know that that doesn't always happen. Every single one of us falls short of the glory of God, right? And when that happens, James says, it's as if our desires have had a love affair with temptation. Our desires give in to temptation, which leads to an unwanted pregnancy of sin. And guess what? Temptation is gone. He's out of the picture. He's left, right? He's left you all by yourself to deal with the results. And isn't that so like the enemy? Isn't that like temptation? Sticks around for a while to get what it wants, to use and abuse, to make you feel like your desires are being met, and then bounces, he leaves. Doesn't stick around to help. Leaves you to deal with the aftermath, with, with your sin. And so you're stuck with your sin, and, and James says that that sin continues to grow and becomes fully grown like an adult, and sin continues in the footsteps of its parents, our desires and temptation, right? It's lascivious and lustful and promiscuous, which ultimately leads to sin becoming pregnant, but this time the child is deaf. Right? And for the Christian, that is physical death that every single one of us will experience, just like we read uh, in Genesis with Adam and Eve. But for the non-believer, not only do they experience physical death, but they experience eternal spiritual death. And so we have somewhat of this, this graphic depiction of three generations and we have grandmother desire giving birth to mother sin as a result of her fling with temptation. And then mother sin giving birth to the daughter death. And James's warning in all of this is still the same. Right? Resist temptation, but also in verse 16, do not be deceived by it. Don't take the bait. 
Don't fall for the fraud, the counterfeit that temptation presents to make you feel like your desires are being met. They're not. Right? And temptation only attempts to satisfy your desires. Don't be deceived, James is saying. And then, in verses 17 through 18, James makes another shift. The one that makes us feel a little bit more hopeful. Right? And he says that those desires that the enemy wants to use to, to use and abuse you, God wants to take those same desires, but to bless you. And so James continues the parent and giving birth theme as in verse 15, but this time it's God who is the father. And, and where desire and temptation brought forth or birthed sin and death, when we submit our desires to God, the father of lights, he brings forth good and new life in us. And so we have this, this beautiful and dramatic contrast between temptation and God. Right, where temptation is that, that man who comes into the woman's life, but only to get what he wants and then leaves. He abandons the woman to fend for herself and to deal with what's left behind. But, but then God, he's rightly depicted and beautifully shown as the father who enters into this woman's life. And stays. He sticks around. Right? Picks up the broken pieces and brings good and wholeness into her life. Satisfies and fulfills like the other never could. Right? There's no variation in God. His light, his perfection is constant, always present, never changing. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And I know this might not apply to everyone, uh, but maybe this example is pretty personal or pretty close to real for you in your own life. Maybe you trusted a man or a woman in your life, and, and all they did was bring you harm and shame and guilt. And sure, there might be a part of you that maybe even realizes, I shouldn't have had that person in my life. I shouldn't have allowed that pain and hurt to come into my life. And James and I, we don't highlight this example to cast shame or guilt on you if that's your story. And we say that your story doesn't have to end in hurt. Your story, your desires don't have to end in brokenness and shame. But you can turn to the Father of lights. Surrender your desires to him, the giver of good and perfect gifts. And let him be the one who truly and fully satisfies you in ways that the other never could. And so at the end of this, we, we come to the same end that we did last week. To endure trials and hardships like we talked about last week, we have to remember the nature and the character of God. He is generous. He does give generously without reproach. And likewise, to resist the temptation that we face in life, we also have to remember the nature and character of God. Because only God can truly and fully satisfy our desires. And when we submit our desire to him, he unleashes a steady flow of good, a steady flow of life in us. He's constant, never changing, always present with us. So all of us together, we're on a walk with Jesus. Maybe it's a hike now. Maybe the, it's changed. They're similar, right? And before we get started on this hike, James, he's posted these caution and warning signs. Right? We will experience trials in this life. They're unavoidable. 
Right? But trials are meant to be endured. They're meant to shape us and make us whole and complete, lacking in nothing. But we will also face temptation along the way. And many of us know that every single day, right? We experience it every single day. The temptation to take another easier path to try and reach the same destination. But do not be deceived. Because even though it's easier, it will only lead to our despair. Right? So we have to resist the temptation, the urge to go another way and instead stay on the path that God has placed us on. Trust that God is still present. He, he's still with you and he will fully satisfy your desires in ways that only he can. Right? And so next week, um, we're going to start looking at those guideposts that we see along the trail. Right? Uh, those signs, those wisdoms that tell us which way to go. That tell us how far we've come. How much further do we need to go? What lies ahead? The mile markers along the way that let us know where we are in the process of perfection. But in the meantime, uh, here's some questions to think about and guide you as you read and reread James chapter 1, verses 9 through 18 this week. And that's my encouragement to you is uh, take this passage, meditate on it. I think sometimes we think we have to read something new in the Bible every single day. Um, But in a previous series, we talked about savoring the scriptures. So really savor these, take them in. Um, And you can use these questions to help you. Question number one, what trials are you facing right now? And what do you think God wants to do in you through the trials? Number two, how have you resisted trials instead of endured them? Number three, think about a recent temptation you faced. Which of your desires was that temptation attempting to satisfy? love, security, acceptance, and so on. And number four, as you read James chapter 1, verses 9 through 18 this week, what more do you learn about God's quality and character, and how does that comfort you? Because we always have to come back to the quality and character of God. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you are so good to us. We thank you that that we can call you the Father of Lights and you remain faithful to that, that title, that name. Your goodness is constantly flowing into our lives. Your perfection is constantly flowing into our lives and you're, you're inviting us into that perfection, into that wholeness. And so God, we pray that you would help us to walk that path, to stay on that trail. God, help us to endure trials but resist temptation. God, I pray for those who are going through trials right now. And for yourself, just begin to think, man, what what am I facing right now? God, I pray that you would reveal yourself as the Father of lights in these trials. God, I pray that you would help us to endure, to stay steadfast and strong in the midst of the trial because you have good for us in it. We want to become more like your son, Jesus. We want to be more whole, perfect, complete, more human, God. So would you encourage us in the trials that we face? And God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give us the ability to resist temptations that only lead to death? 
God, I'm confident and I know from from my own walk that that we all can, because of your spirit, resist temptation. Nothing is too difficult for us to resist. And so would you embolden each one of us right now in the temptations that we're facing to resist, to stand strong, to use the word of God to turn the enemy away. And God, we look to you as the fulfiller of our desires. God, only you can satisfy that desire for love. Receive that right now if that's what you're facing. God, only you can fulfill that that desire for comfort. Only you, God, can, can fulfill that desire of acceptance. Nothing else, no one else can do that. And so we receive that this morning and say, amen, so be it in our own lives. And God, we pray that as we read through James, you just continue to bring us wisdom. And we thank you that we can ask for wisdom now. And your word says you would generously give it to us. So we receive that too. So God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place and our own hearts and minds and lives. We say, have your way in us. We say all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.